In the aftermath of a miscarriage, how can one love their spouse well? Good question. Erin Smalley is with us. She is a licensed counselor and part of Focus on the Family's Marriage Ministry, also an author. Erin, good morning. Welcome to the conversation. It is an important one, isn't it? It sure is. Good morning. Yes, this is something that we do not talk about a whole lot, yet it is so relevant in our uh, country. As you said, that 22% of people are more likely to get divorced, but you know, most people probably think, you know, it doesn't occur all that often, but yet they're saying 15 to 20% of all pregnancies in our country will end in a miscarriage, which is 1 million miscarriages in a year. So it's something that we need to be talking about. What are some of the common struggles that couples face after a miscarriage? Yeah, it's interesting because as couples walk this road, I'm a former labor and delivery nurse as well. And so I I walked with many couples through um, losses at all different stages of pregnancy. And it's, it's really hard because with grief, typically people grieve differently. And, you know, you think just the differences between, you know, a man and a woman, just gender differences, but also personality differences and also what they've been taught from their family of origin about grief and how to process grief. And so often what happens is they're both grieving, but they're grieving differently and they're grieving at different paces. And therefore, there feels there ends up being some disconnection in the relationship and the connection between the two of them. Hmm. You know, and how we grieve, I can see how that could mm-hmm. drive a wedge between a husband and a wife, because it's like either you're not grieving enough or you're grieving too much. Yes. And it's interesting because men grieve differently. They get busy. And this is, you know, stereotypical. So I always say it's like 80% of the time men will, you know, they might get busy. They might try to um, help around the house or, you know, cry and grieve individually in private versus sometimes for a wife or a mom, she might be, you know, grieving more openly, just differently mm-hmm. and expressing how she feels. And so often what we'll do is we'll assume then that the other person is, you know, it's too much or it's too little or it's different. And the the key is just to allow whoever is grieving to grieve however they need to. And, you know, there's, we know the grief process and the typical patterns we go through. But the, the thing is, is it's not linear. It doesn't happen like step one, step two, step three. It is, you know, it can be all over the place. And any person who has ever experienced the loss of a loved one knows that it can be 15 years later and the grief can rise up as it gets stirred up from an experience. Mm-hmm. So communication is big. Yeah. And, you know, oh. and and what about blame? Like they're not grieving enough. They don't care enough. Or if we hadn't done this. Yes. And it's interesting for a woman, especially, you know, she can take on so much about her body. Mm-hmm. Like my body didn't carry this baby. And, and so often there's that inner turmoil for the for the, the woman. And then, you know, within the, the couple, as the pregnancy progresses, they say that the chance of of divorce even increases if it's a full-term stillborn. And so the silence, the anger, all of that, there's 
so many different emotions that will occur. It can be really, really confusing. Erin hmm. Smalley is with us from Focus on the Family, talking about dealing with a miscarriage and how it impacts a marriage. There are some other things we're going to get into here, but I also want to make sure we meet you where you are. And maybe the Lord has brought you to this conversation this morning, uh, and it's unexpected because you're like, wow, I'm going through this right now. And Lord, I was praying to you and, and asking you for encouragement and guidance. And here you are showing up today. Aaron, what about maybe some advice you can give us and, and some very practical tips for how to love your spouse well in the aftermath of this? Yeah, so of course, disconnection is common. And so really, it's looking at how do we connect as a couple? And, you know, the, the good news is the same principles that apply to connection at any point in a marriage can be used during this tender time. And my husband, Greg, and I like to look at a very simple acronym that we can use for connection, and that's L-U-V-E, love. And so I know it's not L-O-V-E, it's, <laughs> it's L-U-V-E. <laughs> yeah. And what this stands for is, you know, that we're being great listeners and really giving our spouse our presence and just, you know, not thinking about how we're going to reply or what they should be saying or what we're going to say, but really just listening to what's going on for them. And then the U is to just understand and so to be curious about what is going on for them asking clarifying questions. And my three favorite words are, help me understand. Help me understand what this is like for you. Help me understand what you're feeling in this moment. Help me understand you know, what's been the hardest part. But then the, the gift that we can give is to validate and to really to let them know that regardless of what they're feeling, even if it's different than what we're feeling, we can let them know that we care so, hey, I care about what you're feeling, or it makes sense that you're feeling like that. Or, you know, tell me more about that. I'm just so grateful you're telling me. And then it's to put ourselves in their shoes, the ease to empathize. And that's the deepest level of connection we can have. If stepping into their shoes and just going, what would that be like if it were me? If this was, you know, if I was carrying this baby within me and I lost this baby and, you know, what would that be like if, if that were me? And so it's just using that, um, that L-U-V-E just to help really connect with our spouse. What about the rest of us? Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. someone we know who has gone through this or is going through it right now. And as is almost always the case, when somebody's grieving or they're dealing with something, we don't want to say the wrong thing, right? We, we don't want to make matters worse. We, we're afraid. Right. And so we hesitate yeah. and we're paralyzed. What can we do to show our love and support to someone going through this, a couple going through this? Mm -hmm. And more than likely, you know, you think about a million miscarriages in a year in our country. You either have been through a miscarriage or you know someone in your family, in your friend group, or in your church, or at work who has been through a miscarriage. And what I always say, it, to go to the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And you think about why was Jesus weeping? Because his friend Lazarus died. And he knew that, I believe, he knew that he was going to raise 
Lazarus from the dead. But before he did that, before he fixed it, he sat with the family and he wept and he showed compassion. And I think that's just such a good key for us to follow that when we enter in with someone into their grief, recognizing, you know, they're going to, they're going to be at different places. Different people are going to be at different places. And so our job is just to enter in and sit and be compassionate. And granted, there is an opportunity to serve, you know, with our gifts, you know, whether that's with food or with doing laundry or helping with their kids or whatever, you know, however we can step in. But I think it's key because so often we think we have to have the perfect thing to say. Mm -hmm. And with well-meaning, we often say things like, oh, you know, you can have another child or Mm -hmm. you already have three kids. So, you know, be grateful for the three you have. Um, those things I know are well-meaning, but often they cut to the heart because, you know, this person is grieving this life that they have just lost. And so you don't have to have the perfect thing to say. Often just sitting with someone and being silent can be such a gift. It's showing up that really matters. What about the fear that couples deal with regarding, okay, um, should we get pregnant again? Yeah, it's very common. And often, you know, there's different medical avenues that can visit with their, their doctor about that. But, you know, it's, the great news is I've heard story after story and have, have walked with many people who never thought that they would experience um, pregnancy again, and they did. Granted, there's others that don't. And so, again, that's another loss and uh, a grief. I can remember with my second pregnancy I went through a very severe form of toxemia and was told never to have another child. And I remember getting that phone call and just being in shock because all of us have an idea of, well, we want this many children and we want life to look like this. And then when it doesn't, that is such a loss and it's something that needs to be grieved. In our culture, often we want to grieve, you know, death, you know, that we've lost a family member, a loved one, but yet we don't want to grieve these ideas and these losses as far as what we thought would happen or how we thought life would look. Growing in our relationship with Jesus through the tough times, it takes the tough times for us to really get to know him better. How do we find hope in Jesus despite the pain of this kind of loss? Yeah, I I love that God gave us his word, that his scripture, his holy living word that we can go to in our time of need. And I love John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And, you know, so we can call upon him in our time of need and he is never too busy. He is, he has his eyes on us. He knows we're grieving. He's counting our tears. He's close to those who mourn. And he, you know, he wants to bind up your broken heart. And so it's just leaning into him, letting him know exactly where you're at. You might be feeling some, you know, dismay or maybe some anger and even towards him, but it's that relationship that we can lean in to him in all stages of our grief. And I just believe that he brings that community around us to be his hands and feet. And so if you're in a church and there's, you know, you hear of somebody going through this, lean in and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
Okay, so Aaron, we have folks listening this morning, and they're like, I would like to talk to someone about what Mm. I'm experiencing. Focus on the family has always been there for so many of us uh, through the years. Where can they reach out and find some help? I love that focus on the family. One of their greatest resources is their counseling line. Um, Anyone can call 1-800, the letter A, family, F-A-M-I-L-Y, and they will get connected with the counseling department. And a counselor, a licensed Christian counselor, will reach back out to them and help them just really find the beginning of how do we begin healing? What do we do right now? And then we have a referral network that, they can find a counselor for them in their area that's been pre-screened. And so it's such a great resource. We also have many resources online, focusonthefamily.com. You can go under the marriage tab or, you know, there's a a parenting tab, all all kinds of resources, um, articles and podcasts. And, you know, I I believe that anyone could find what they're looking for uh, at focusonthefamily.com. Erin, thank you so much for joining us this morning, having a difficult conversation, but I know that you have helped a lot of folks, and that does Mm. my heart good. Thank you for making the time to be with us. Oh, anytime. Thank you for having me.